0: We're starting a new series. Um, we often are accused of uh, limiting God. Ever been accused of limiting God. And um, sometimes we do this when we're not trying to limit God. I'll give you an example of this. Um, if you ever prayed for a serious illness some, or some serious situation, right? It's very serious. And, and we really want God to answer our prayer but we give God an out right? we'll say something like um, you know God uh, this is what I want but you don't have to if you don't want to right? we, we like brace ourselves for not getting what and, and it's almost like putting God in a box um, it's almost like like limiting God's ability like I kinda want you to do this God but I really don't think you can or, or I, I really don't think you will we've talked about this before and, uh, and so we put God in a box, and we talk about that. And That's a kind of a phrase that, that we use, um, putting God in a box. Uh, so I want to refer kind of to this this idiom that, that we have uh, because sometimes it gets used, putting God in, in a box. It gets used like a blunt instrument. Uh, if someone stands for a particular doctrine, right, and you... You, I, like, I really believe this. Well, you're just putting God in the box. Right? Because, because you, you think that, that, that God has to do. Or, or if you believe in absolutes. Right? God, God says this is the way it is. Right? If you believe that, if you read the scriptures and you come away with an idea that, that God really has a specific opinion on this matter, you're just putting God in the box. It's, you know, God, God needs to be free to, to do whatever he wants. Well, he can but, but God Sometimes is in a box Because he places himself there In fact, we're going to be talking about a time Where God placed himself In a box Like literally, placed himself in a box uh, And we're going to be looking at the Old Testament Because God For a period of time Went around And said, I'm in this box I'm here, in this box Right here and you take me, and you can pick me up, and you're going to carry me to the next place. And I'm here in the box with you. And God was literally in the box. Now, I don't think he was literally there, but, but he was using a metaphor to teach them some things. Uh, now, he tells us, of course, obviously the Bible says that he cannot literally be physically in, in a structure made by hands, no matter how big or small, so, so I don't think whatever the size of this box was. It's got the measurements, but I don't really... I, I learned in, in Ukraine, I learned to do metric to English. I, I don't do Hebrew to English. I, I don't know what cubits are. so I, I'm sorry about that. Um, and spans and talents and all that. So I don't do those conversions. I can, I can do Celsius to Fahrenheit, and that's about where I'm good at. Kilograms, I can do that to pounds, and that's about it. So, um, so but, but there's a lot of symbols in the Old Testament, and these symbols are called types. Uh, we want to be I want this to be clear what we 're talking about because it's, it is important. Types are when a thing in the Old Testament represents specifically a thing in the New Testament god God gives a metaphor. Moses was what we call a type for Christ because he says so. He was a symbol he was a prophet who was going to come and he was going to give a covenant he was, God was going to use this. Uh, this individual to bring a covenant so, so Moses was like Christ And the Bible tells us Now it's, it's really important for us to know that A type is only there when God says it's there A lot of people make typology out of things that were never called types right? So we're drawing on an illustration And it's kind of interesting The Ark of the Covenant Which is the box that we're talking about If you hadn't guessed uh, The Ark of the Covenant is not a type you, you, there's references to it in the New Testament But there's references to elements of it But never the box itself It, it, is, it doesn't have a typology it doesn't, it, it, There's a mercy seat on it It was a big box And, and in the middle of it was a, a lid That you lifted off and you could put stuff in it And they put a bunch of stuff in there right? and, and, um, and they walked around with all the stuff in the box with God. Apparently he's like, you're going know, stay over the your corner and I'll be over in my corner. I don't know how that works, but, um, but he, said, he said these are symbols of things. Okay. And, um, but the, that mercy seat, that lid, they, they came in once a year with blood. right? And, and they poured the blood on this lid. And it was called the mercy seat. And, and that lid, that mercy seat, is a type of Christ. Christ's blood is shed and and what we just practiced as a a, a memorial. Christ is called the mercy seat in the New Testament. So that's a type, right? The lid is a type. But the box itself, nowhere in the New Testament does it say the Ark of the Covenant is like this. It's kind of interesting. Here God lives in this box and there's no reference to it as an entity. So, uh, we're going to talk about some lessons we can get. We're not saying that just to be clear, this is not typology. I'm not saying uh, I don't want you to come away from this sermon series and go, Andrew said that the this represents the this, right? Because it doesn't. It, 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 there's no typology. We're just using... The, the New Testament says these things were written for our admonition. We can, we can gain awesome lessons from these things, even if it's not a type. Right? I'm not making typology where it doesn't exist. We're going to look at three lessons in this series we could do a lot more, I'm sure. But, but on the fourth week, uh, I will, um, I'll be here, but I, I will not be speaking. Uh, we're having a guest speaker uh, and uh, uh, from Mike Black's congregation down south is coming up. And then after that, we've got uh, college and vacation. So we're going to be gone for a few weeks. So, uh, so this last week was just kind of a, a, a preamble to, to a, a larger vacation that's kind of been in the works. But we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 3. For our first lesson, and I'm definitely going to need my glasses here, Joshua chapter 3, and as we go through this, what we want to illustrate, and the lesson we want to draw, the the main lesson, is that, that God is teaching them His presence what His presence means. And we're going to see three different examples, three different events that include or reference the Ark of the Covenant that that we can gain some idea of what God's presence is because we, without an Ark today, are are taught that about being in the presence of God. And that's important uh, to to go into this text with. So it says... um, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia grove, and they came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel, and they stayed there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officer went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the priests, the Levites carrying it, then you will set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits. See what I said before about cubits. I don't. That's a long ways, maybe. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over in front of the people. So they picked it up, and they went in front of the people. And Joshua... The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to lift you up in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you will command the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you will stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you will know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and some other ites. <laughs> Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, uh, of all the earth, is crossing over before you to the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourself twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe, and it will come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, and shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, and they, they will stand up in a heap. So it was when the people set out from the, their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the uh, people, as those who carried the Ark came to the Jordan the feet of the priests uh, dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks during the harvest time, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away uh, at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down to the Sea of Erebah, the Salt Sea, failed, stopped, they were failed, and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite of Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry land in the middle of the Jordan. And Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So, we're going to talk about some, some things that, that, this, that this presence means. What the presence of God means. Today's idea that we want to get at, the first, not necessarily first in chronologically or the first in order of importance, just the first one we're going to talk about. Is guidance. It was guidance. God's, God's presence meant guidance to these people. And he wanted, uh, for some reason, he wanted them to get attached to this idea, and so he used a physical object to do so, whether or not he was really in the box or not. Um, and and he, he taught them, that when, when you see the ark, that's, oh, ark. And they got all impressed with the ark. God's guidance. I want to look at some objects uh, uh, that we can learn from God's guidance here. Um, and I want to first talk about the object of guidance. When we use the phrase guidance, right? We use that in a business sense. Um, you know, you can if there's two departments in a company or whatever, one might say, "I'm looking for some guidance in this area." Right? What that means is that I'm looking for some direction. Right? I'm looking for some some ideas about how to go about implementing this policy or how to use this technology, whatever the, whatever the company is or whatever. We're looking for guidance. But what we mean when we say that is, just kind of give me some helpful hints, right? We're not looking for absolutes. We're like, kind of give me just a general gist of things. And so when we use the phrase guidance... A lot of times, that's the idea that we mean when we're talking about God's guidance. It's like a soft idea. Right? Like, what's God's general guidelines of things? And that's kind of the way we approach what God wants is, is God, just give me a little guidance. Can you give me a nudge in the, the relative idea so there's still leeway the for me to do kind of what I still want to do. And that, that's guidance many people. Now God's guidance is, if you notice in here really doesn't have a lot of leeway now God says pretty specifically what they're supposed to do and if you want to know more specifics about what they're supposed to do, there's a whole book dedicated to it, or two Right? when, when, when they're standing there we talk about the Ten Commandments, which was inside the ark, that was one of the things that was in the ark uh, but there was a whole bunch of stuff there's a whole book of it. And if they, didn't, you know, if they didn't really get it, Moses repeated it right before he died. And that's called the book of Deuteronomy. Right? But there's all these directions about how things had to be built, and how the ark had to be built, and, and how, who could carry it, and what it had to look like, and what it was made of, and everything. When you could go, and when you couldn't, and who could go, and who couldn't. And a lot of directions. And if you read some events in the story, bad things happen. When you don't follow the directions, right? Nadab and Abihu, fire comes out, burns them up. (laughs) It's like, whoa, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Uh, And so God's direction, God's guidance, is pretty specific, and and He doesn't leave a lot of leeway when He gives guidance. No, when when God doesn't care, then He doesn't give a lot of guidance. Like whatever, do whatever. It's up to you. But when he gives guidance, he means do this. This is not helpful hints from Heloise, right? And most people don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. I just remember I just remember the book of my grandmother's my her her bookshelf. Uh, but he didn't say, you know, if you could do a favor and just, you know, kind of stay, give a little leeway, you know, from the ark. Like he gave them like Don't come any closer than this. Now, now maybe there were people out there with the cubit stick and and say, well, I can get that close. But he said, he gave them a specific measurement. Don't come any closer. It wasn't general guidance. It implied directions that were not optional. They weren't up for debate. They weren't up for interpretation. And we have to understand that God has a purpose. Right? Not everything in the Old Testament, by the way, had a purpose. I know that sounds like... <clears throat> you say? There's a lot of things that, that God just said, just do it. Right? It doesn't have a reason. I just want you to get used to doing what I said. Right? Just because I said so. Just so you guys can get in the habit... I, I was at a camp. I was just at a camp this week, but a long time ago. And uh, And one of the preachers, he talked about raising kids, and he says, we do stuff at our house where I teach them just to listen to me. Just little kids. And it just happened to be that at that time, one of, the, one of his, his kids' class was dismissing. We were about the end of the session. They were going to go over to chapel. And his kid was in that class, and they were walking over. Now, that has their own teaching. They're walking. And um, what's the oldest one? John Racine's oldest. Nathan. He goes... Nathan, sit down. He yells it from across the thing. Nathan, boom, dropped. Set. Right? Like, here's the thing. I mean, you know how embarrassing that would be? Like, here's all your friends and whatever, and you just, boom, he dropped. Didn't even, didn't, didn't, didn't argue, didn't, like, I, I, what, right now? I'm in this class, and I have this teacher. I was, I was like, that was, was impressive. That was impressive. He trained his kid, but just because. Now, there's no reason to sit down. Just because I said so. Because they wanted to, when you do, I, 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 I've, I've been told, I, I haven't experienced it, but the mil- military is like that. They want you to just, boom, when an when order is given, you boom, you do it without, because that can save somebody's life, right? So, so God did that in the Old Testament. Some things had reasons. Not, not everything was pointless in the, in the Old Testament, I don't want to say that. Don't want you to come away with that idea. But everything in the New Testament certainly does. But he wanted people to get to the idea where the, we just do it because and that's what guidance is. Now this one, however, did have a reason. We know so because he said so. He says because the purpose. There was a purpose for this particular guidance. He says, "Listen, uh, tomorrow you're going to see a great thing, and I, and I want everybody to see it. Right? Uh, I, I don't want you to just be milling around. You know, when, some, when there's an event happening, right? Something cool, right?" Uh, or not even cool. Uh, you're in a hallway in high school, and there's a fight. Right? It's like it, it's like pandemonium. All of a sudden, boom, it's like something something not boring is happening in a school building. Let's go there, right? And, and so, so there's this fight, and everyone crowds in. Gets a little dangerous, uh, and, and that's why i have cool because there's, there's, it's just complete disorder. I don't know what's happening? And God says to stay away from there. I want everybody to see clearly what's going to happen tomorrow. First of all, you're going to see something you've never seen before. But he says, also, I want you to understand there's like a million of you guys. And, and the ark is going to lead you. <clears throat> and I've never been in a group of a million people. I've, I've been in a baseball stadium, and that's about as big as I've ever gotten. And that was impressive, to walk out for the first time in a baseball stadium, Yankee stadium... And, and, and see in a, in a playoff game of no less, and to see a packed crowd, and that's only, I don't know what, 50 or 60,000 people. And, and to see that and go, oh, that's a lot of people. A nosebleed section, it makes it even more impressive just to see that massive amount of people. Uh, and, and to know that that's a handful of, that, 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 that would be like not even one tribe. <laughs> and to be in a group of people, that that's not even one tribe out of 12, like that, that's. Amazing. I can't comprehend what that group of people would have been like walking around behind a box. And God says, "I want you to stay away so that you don't get lost. I'm going to walk through, and if you're in the wrong place, you might be in a dangerous situation. We're crossing over where there's no water, where there should be water. And there's a lot of water that wants to come down, so don't get lost. Because when these guys, when your path, these guys have to sit in the middle, like look upstream and like hope this thing works, uh, and, and they're waiting, and then they're going to come out left. Don't get lost. There's a reason for the direction. We have to understand that there are reasons for God's guidance, and it is to protect us. There's a thing called the impulse buy, and and impulse buys are never good. And impulse buys are you, you always went like why did I get that? I was just, uh, just kind of surfing Amazon why, why do I have this for now? Right? Uh, seemed like the thing to buy at the time Impulse buys right? We call it buyer's remorse right? We have the phrase for it Why? Because it was an impulse buy most likely uh, I wanted it, I thought I wanted it A waste of money we have that phrase because our impulses are usually not good. Two reasons. Now, first of all, uh, impulses are not made with thought. They're based on emotion. So, so there's no, there's no it, because it's done so fast, we, we don't really investigate. So the best shot you have of getting something you really like is a 50-50 shot. Because it's an impulse. There's no thought into it. It's just flip of the coin. I just I want it. It could be good, could be not good. So the best you can do is 50/50 with an impulse. Now it gets worse than that because it involves your emotions, and your emotions tend to go the wrong direction, especially in the moment. You do things out of an emotional response. So, so you're like, you get an impulse. You do your impulsive decisions, probably around 30% likely to be a really good one, right? And so God recognizes that, and so He says. I'm here to protect you from your impulses. That's why I give guidance. And that's why they're kind of... Not kind of. They're, they're kind of not kind of. They're, they're absolutes. Because I know your worst impulses. And I know where you're going to end up. So that's why I give guidance. Guidance. You ever seen? It happens once a year, and it only happens in one sport that I can see. I've never seen it happen in baseball, football, or hockey, or lacrosse, or curling. But in soccer, once, twice, three times a year, you get a stampede. You ever seen that? It's like dozens of people die. What started it? I don't know. It's weird. It's just soccer. It's only soccer. You'll never see a stampede at a baseball stadium. A bunch of crazy rednecks running. You never see that. Soccer stadium. Someone's going to die every year. Impulse. And God says, "Stay away. Calm down. And we're cross." That's the impulse. Control the impulse. Now I want to look to the response of the guidance. There's three responses in here. Verse 3. So he commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the priest and bearing it, then you shall set out. And follow it. Guidance is to be followed. That's what the ark represented. Follow it. This is where you want to be. Why? Because I'm there. God is in the box. So let's follow the box. Follow God's guidance. Guidance is there to be followed. Good advice is not any good if it's not followed. One of the things that annoys me, hey, someone will ask you, what do you think I should do? Here's what I think you should do. Then they start arguing with you. But then don't ask my opinion. You wanted to know what you should do. I told you people do that with God. here's the here's the advice. What should I do, God? This is what you should do. Oh, I don't think so. Then don't ask me. <laughs> Guidance is no good if we don't follow it. We spend we, the the camp that I go to, they do this thing. It's cool. Uh, the lady that does it couldn't so they ha- she had replacements, but but you memorize however many verses, you have to say it and I say it pretty good however many years old you are you have to say it that many verses boom a text and she makes you a pie if you can do it like your choice you can, you can make a pie some kid made a cinnamon roll pie or something like that just made it up out of his head she made it right how much time has been spent memorizing scriptures and, and studying this and people go eh. like you spent all that time memorizing it you're not going to do it what a waste of time I mean I guess you got the pie, but but there's asking God's advice, listening, paying attention, all the stuff we, we come here on Sunday morning, we're gonna worship and we're gonna listen to the sermon, then we eh. What good is God's advice if it's not followed? And God's guidance. Uh we can we can disregard that message. And and it is deeply personal to God as as much as it annoys me it's personal to God and I want to share with you in John chapter 1 verse 1 Christ is who? what's he called? The the word Christ's identity is wrapped up in his guidance he's called the logos the message, the word Christ is guidance I mean that's impressive. His identity always has been wrapped up in guidance. And so it's deeply personal to God, beyond just annoyance. When, when, we, when, when Christ offers Himself as the message, and we ignore it, we're, we're ignoring God, we're, we're saying, God, uh, Christ, I don't care about you. I don't care that this is your identity, and you came here to die and to offer guidance. It's deeply, deeply personal. That's why people get burnt to a a, a crisp when they ignore. I'm not saying every time we do that, that that happens, but it has happened. God, it's deeply personal to God. So the first thing is to follow it. The second thing in verse 8, he says, You shall command the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stop. You shall stand in the Jordan. Stand still. Now, I don't want to suggest that God's guidance requires no action, because it does. <clears throat> but the point of this was that they were supposed to be observing some things. God wanted, God didn't want this to get lost on them. So he said, observe what I'm going to show you. You're going to be, you're going to like it. A lot of these people don't remember... Remember, they came out of the wilderness. They came out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. And God had them wander around till all the, all the older people and, and all the of age people died, except Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones older than, than that limit that didn't die. Those people saw the, the first one. These people haven't. They haven't seen that happen before. So you guys... You're going to get to see something your parents saw, and your grandparents, you haven't seen this before, so you're going to want to pay attention. This is going to be cool. You're going to really like this. So stop. Just stand still and just observe. Sometimes God wants us, with his guidance, to just observe it first. Before we get into the action part of it. Just observe, then do We can get so caught up in our religious things that we stop observing what God is doing. We we get busy for God, right? We want to be busy for God. And how many books have been written on that subject, using one title or another, or one one metaphor or another, right? The the, the books and the and the it's all great. It's all wonderful about action and and doing things for God. That that. But I'm saying in no way contradicts that. But we can get so caught up in the functions that we stop seeing the miracles. All right. We we photo, focus on the protocols and the, the, the preparation and the planning and the meetings and the for this and this has to be done and the finances what are the finances for this Do we... right and it's all of the stuff the guts and the mechanics and and that it's exciting to see things happening you know and, and that and, and and this action and activity and we stop seeing miracles we, we stop seeing um, i mean the big stuff is cool all right you, you, you see if someone's you know Coming to Christ, we, we notice that. But but we might not notice the, the spiritual development. When you see somebody like taking a step and doing something like like uh, you know, some some of the kids getting involved in the downstairs stuff. That's kinda cool. Pay attention to that, that's cool. Right? Kids doing some of the, the technology in the back of the kids. Like that that's cool. Stop and see the miracle. Stop the little ones, maybe even. Stop and see, stop. Stop and see what Christ is doing. That's where God's guidance is. See the growth. See what happens because of the input that you're putting into it. See miracles. Stand still sometimes. The third thing, verse 5. He says, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify Word with a lot of different meanings A lot of different ideas wrapped up in it I want to talk about preparation Uh, As we talk about preparation And the the planning of the meetings And all that stuff But He says prepare yourself Really is what this is talking about This is not the the plans to do stuff But he says prepare yourself Sanctify yourself Any venture has preparation If it's going to be successful And we could look at that from, From that perspective but, but he's talking about the people themselves and what's in people. Now this particular type of sanctification, we, we can talk about purity, and that's an aspect of this, certainly. But it, but it actually goes beyond purity. Now, let's see. He says, I'm going to do wonders among you. That's plural. Now, that, 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 that intrigues me a little bit because you know our attention is drawn to the big one. From stopping water, they crossed on dry ground. That's also impressive. To to not just to stop the water, but to suck the moisture out. That, that's pretty cool. Like that that happens. There was a there was a a a river or a lake or I I forget what kind of body in Michigan. The levee broke last year. Apparently they had a lot of rain last year and none this year. But they had a lot of rain last year and the levee broke and it emptied out a lake. Like you had lakefront property no you don't uh, but you couldn't walk on it immediately uh, you'd go straight down to whatever you know, you might be lost there's it, it, water in there so that's another wonder that God does you walk on dry ground that's pretty impressive uh, God was going to do more than that God was going to have these people walk across hold the water back and God was going to give them their own land like I've got a, I've got a piece of land for you Right across. You can see it. And it's going to be yours. I mean, you're going to have to work a little bit for it. But I'm giving it to you. And and that's another wonder. There's a lot of things happening. There might have been more than that. I don't know. But he says, I'm going to do wonders. God was going to end 40 years of wandering. All that this group of people had ever known. I'm stopping tomorrow another wonder that's going to happen is kind of in reverse God's going to stop the manna no more you're going to actually get to eat real food tomorrow oh yes right? that's a wonder that's amazing Wow. good food you're going to have your own beds right? I mean I'm good with my own bed after a week of camp I, mean, I can't imagine wandering in the wilderness for, for 40 years Not have a good bed. You're going to have your own house, your own bed. That's great. I'm going to do wonders. So sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself. Set yourself in a particular place. That's what that means. To set yourself in a particular place. Like something really, really valuable that you don't want to get damaged. Something irreplaceable. Kids start walking. Everything goes up this high. We put it in a special place. Right? Sometimes I put things in a special place and I don't know where I put it. It's so special. Like I want to put this where it won't get lost. And it's lost. Because it's in a special place. <laughs> right? That's not what he's talking about. But, but the idea, that idea, like this is special. And I don't want to lose this. I, I don't want this to get broken because I can't replace it. Do that with yourself. You are a valuable commodity to God because he made you because he died for you so he says put yourself in a special place sanctify yourself get yourself ready for this tomorrow imagine could you be I can't imagine like like a lot of things we talk are generally in the future like I can't be told I I can't imagine being told God's tomorrow Monday morning you're going to see something really awesome that would be I can't wait These people were told, tomorrow, you're going to see amazing things. So get ready. Prepare yourself. We come together on Sunday because it's something special, don't we? I want you to think about this and wrap a couple of ideas into this. So God makes a requirement for them if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, you're going to have to get yourself ready for it. I have sanctified, that's what he's really talking about, he's sanctified a piece of land for them. He's set it apart for them. He's put it in a special place. He's like, there's some people there that they think it's theirs, but it's not. I've set it apart for you, and I'm going to get rid of all the ice. And it's yours. They just don't. They haven't gotten the message yet. So I've sanctified it. So I want you to be sanctified. We sanctify ourselves because He's done some sanctification also. We come together on Sunday, and we, it's a special day. Christ sanctified Himself. The Bible says that He sanctified Himself. He set Himself apart for a specific purpose. And there's a thing that we do, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but I just want to kind of broaden our thoughts a little bit. That that we come in and sit down, and we're going to think about God and Christ and his death and his resurrection and his body and his blood. And we're like, okay, this is the time. All right. Uh, We've sung the three songs. We've done the opening prayer. And now it's time to think about God. God says no. You sanctify yourself before tomorrow. Come. He's not, he doesn't say, when you get there tomorrow, I want you to start sanctifying yourself right when we're getting ready to cross. You come sanctify. You come set apart in your mind already. It's done prior to. Like, I shouldn't have to wait. Oh man, I haven't thought about God or Jesus. Better cram, because they're like two aisles away. Sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. It's in a special place. This is in a special place. I know where it's at. I didn't put it where it got lost. It's special. Because Christ sanctified it, a lot of things are like that. Not just this, but but Christ has given us an opportunity, a a, a permanent homeland somewhere. Where? What it looks like? I don't know. Can't imagine it. But Christ says, "There's coming a time. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe not." He didn't give me that. Well, I'm going to have that. I've sanctified it. It, it. It's it's there. It's waiting. Set yourself apart for it. This is my guidance. Set yourself apart from it, for it. Excuse me. So the ark, God in a box, it presents such a rich image. There's a lot of things that we could draw from even this chapter that we haven't. But it's a metaphor for God's desire simply to have a relationship with us. He, he gave them the metaphor of all right. Uh, Here I am in a box. And it just gets them used to the idea of of traveling around with God. Following him around. He's going. The ark is up. They picked it up. I guess we're going. When God gets up, we get up. We're going. God's going. We're going. It wasn't an idol to be worshipped. I think that's why he covered it. He didn't actually want them to see it because they would say, wow, look at that pretty gold box where God is. Oh yeah, where God is. But it's pretty gold. We don't have the metaphor. God got rid of the metaphor. He wanted us to be left with the idea of following Him, of giving guidance. And God's guidance being, you know, pretty much when He said it, He wants that particular thing. But it still helps us. Even though it's not a type, for any particular thing. It's still a lesson for me today to understand and, and to visualize the lessons uh, that, that God wants me to follow and to be set apart to be special in my in my mind because He's special. And so I want to leave you with a particular challenge. I always do that. Um, I want to think, we, we could probably make a list, in fact. I could. Think of guidance that I've resisted. You don't think of guidance I've resisted. You think of guidance you've resisted. I'll, I'll do the me part. Think of guidance that we've resisted. Because there is. There's times where God says, this is my guidance. I'm like, I don't like that one. God says, I died for that one. So you want to pay attention to that one. It's pretty important. Christ died. He's the word. He's the message. And pick one thing off the list. pick one thing, and start working on that guidance. This is some guidance. At whatever the challenge is, whatever it's hard for you. pick one. and start working that one guidance, and move on. and you'll start to see the miracles. You could probably already do that. You could probably already look back in your life and go, "Man, I remember when that was such a deal to me." Notice the miracles that God done and, and use that as motivation to to get up and, and to follow and one person wrote uh, is a, a monk and I forget his name, but he talked he was talking about life in a monastery and talked about how how he left the world to, to go to this monastery and um, and it was noisy, not because they were all talking or whatever, but but there was activity and and uh, he was he was the the new guy, so he had to do the dishes for every, all the other monks. <laughs> and he's like, it's noisy. I'm, I I don't talk a lot, but but he wrote. He's like he's like I, I'm sitting there and and it's there's, I'm washing dishes and I'm I'm, I'm preparing food and, and all this stuff. And he's like, I came up here to to, to be separate from the from all the activity of the world, so that I could focus on. It. And I got stuck doing all the menial work again. <laughs> I was like, I, but he talked about how he had to practice the presence of Christ so I practice while I'm washing dishes and, and I practice the presence of Christ while I'm cooking the meal for the monks you know the important monks uh, I still have to practice that presence as a part of my daily life and, and I think it was this valuable lesson that that we get so caught up in things whether it be religious things or just secular things we get caught up in those things and then we have to practice the presence of Christ. And I think that's what God in a box uh, means.